Today, I'm, uh, I'm going to share a message with you, the last message in my faith series, in the Give Me Faith series, and it's entitled, it's entitled Faith Forward. And, and I would, you know, there's all kinds of bad news that's around. There's this looming news about uh, Ebola, about, this, about global debt. You see it and you hear about it. It's about, I also read recently about the Personal Misery Index, and, and there's panic and there's fear and people are isolating themselves. In fact, my son, uh, my son was work, working for a company, and he he went to went to work and came back really really early. He said, "What happened?" He said, "Well, the event that they were supposed to hold here and uh, they were supposed to hold in Dallas that he was going to work, they canceled it because everybody was afraid to come to Dallas because they were afraid they were going to get Ebola. And so there's this panic, and people are uh, they're crazy about everything, and they're worried and they're concerned, and and people are concerned about how Ebola is going to affect the economy." Economy, and some say some say it's going to devastate the economy. Look out, everybody! Hold on, the end is here. Well, actually, I was reading the Bible this morning. The Bible says the end comes when the gospel has been preached to all the nations. So that is the key right there. But but there's, I, I want us to understand something here, is that that God speaks to us. God spoke to us through the apostle Paul, and he said these words in Romans chapter twelve. He said, "Do not." conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. You're going to think different. Now, the big question there is, well, what is the pattern of the world? Well, it's pretty simple because we're, we're I, as I was even, I've had, I'd written this message prior to all of this Ebola stuff, and, and it's so obvious the pattern of the world is fear. It's fear. I mean, what happened when the uh, financial bubble burst in 2008? There was fear. All of a sudden, the world paid attention. Everyone became afraid. What did the world do? It conformed to their fear. Other economies started tanking. And why? They were afraid. In fact, most economists say that the Great Recession, there were significant issues that caused it, but it was driven and it was exacerbated by fear. Many of you are afraid today. Some of you are afraid that uh, things may go crazy because your finances are in disarray. And I believe with all my heart that God wants to say to you, do not fear. That's what God says. In fact, God gives us this command. You want to know about the commands of God? The biggest command in the scriptures that we see more than any other command is this. Do not fear. Don't be afraid, for that really is the pattern and the philosophy of the world. See, what we're to do, though, is we have a different pattern, a different philosophy, and and what we do is we transform our minds with faith. And faith doesn't come, as we've talked in the past few weeks, by just watching MSNBC. You're not going to get faith by watching CNN or Fox. And this week, someone talked to me. I learned about the blaze. And it's like, okay, but I don't, I'm not going to get faith there. But the Bible says that faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. That's how it comes. 
it's by hearing, listening, and receiving. That means even digesting the Word of God and understanding the promises that God has for us. That's what makes our faith grow. That's why being in the Bible and, and being in church and hearing messages, it helps us with our faith. So some of you have heard, well, the economy is in crisis, and we need to pay attention to the ups and downs of the Dow, and the market's upside down, or Ebola is destroying the economy. And I say, okay, but let's really pay attention to the unchanging promises of God, because God always has the last word. And when the pattern of the world is upside down with fear, God's promises can turn things right side up. In fact, God's best work is accomplished during the worst of times. It always has been, and it's time for God to do it again. In fact, we need to ingest the New Testament more than we do the news. I really believe that. That's the only way we're going to renew our minds and be transformed people of faith, even as all of this Ebola crisis has come up as a faith leader here in the community, as a follower of Christ and one who who has the opportunity to speak into others' lives. I've had to pay extra attention to the media and all that's happening there so I can respond and understand and help people. And, and, And the more you listen to it, it doesn't, I'm just telling you, it doesn't build my faith. So I found myself, well, I'm going to have to read the Bible more because that is what actually stimulates my faith. It renews my mind. And I, even as a pastor, have to do this all the time so that I won't conform to the patterns of the world, which is fear. So to have our minds renewed, the first thing we need to know, which is this mind renewal principle, is this, is that finances are a spiritual issue. In fact, it's interesting. Jesus talked more about money than any other one subject. In fact, your finances and your faith, they're linked. I wish I could take credit for what Jesus said in the scriptures, but I can't. It was him, but he said this. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart, that means your thoughts and your emotions, what drives you, what you're all about, your heart will be also. A translation of that, I guess, would be like this. It's how you use money actually identifies your heart's location. Uh, so I, I, as I was putting this together, I, I thought, well, I, I put in my notes, be sure and look at, at how you spent money the week before you, you share this message. So I, I went back this weekend and yesterday, and I, and I took a look. How did I spend my money? And I took the last week, and what did I do with money? And it was kind of a scary thing because I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to be vulnerable on this. I don't know what's going to pop up, and, and, uh, but, but it's, let's just be honest. And so I, I looked at it. Here's what I did is I tithed. I gave above my tithe to support some of the work of Compassionate Fort Worth for our city. I paid my phone bill. <laughs> I, I paid insurance. I bought food for the family. I also bought food for someone else in need that I found an interesting situation was happening right in front of me. Like, I'm going to respond to this. I bought gasoline. Yeah, I got to get around. I, I bought a book to help me be a better pastor. I, I paid for my post office box. for I renewed it for another year. And, and I bought some small yet special things for Rebecca. And I made a car payment. And, and the truth is, the location of my heart is spelled out when you look at where my finances went. 
You know, I said, well, I, I don't know if I believe you on that. Well, then just believe what Jesus said, because Jesus said, take a look at where you spend your money, because that's going to show you where your heart is. So the money and your heart are connected. It actually, really where you spend your money really determines where you spend your heart. And you're going to find that you are actually more passionate about certain areas of your life than other areas. I encourage you just to take the little test and do what I just did and, and see, what, see what comes up because it, it's really a good, healthy experiment for you. So that will, that, that's a good self-analysis that I'll let you do on your own. But the truth is, if your finances are upside down, what's going to end up happening is your heart will be upside down. If you spend on a person then what's there is you're showing that there's actually love for that. If you're funding your education, then that's what you're passionate about, of course. If you're giving to the church, then, then, you're, then you're invested there, and you're there, and you, you care about what's happening through the church. If, you're, if you have major credit card debt, and you're, you're paying finance charges on top of the debt, and you, you actually might be showing your love for that credit card company, and you, that you're consumed with them, and you know how it bugs you every time you see even the credit card, and you keep using it, and the finance charges, you know they're there. See, those are things that are real. It's interesting because money is the number one identifiable cause of divorce in the United States of America. So therefore, your treasures and your heart are closely linked. I don't ever share about what people's giving is around here because the truth is I, I, I don't pay a huge amount of personal attention to that myself. But one, one that I've always noticed, and, and I'll just bring it up here, is, is Jack, the homeless individual who attends our church. And he has never, to my knowledge, attended a service here without giving an offering. And that's a man who lives on the streets. Now that, my friend, is flat out amazing. And... God has worked in his heart and in his life to work miracles. In fact, because this church is here, because this ministry is here, there's now a man who's about to be behind bars for the, work, for the horrible things he did to him because we found out about it and we got him. And there's another one thereafter. You see, you see what I'm saying? See, God takes care. Is it because he gave an offering? I'm just saying his investment was in the things of God. God turns it around. And God does unmeasurable things. So your treasures and your heart, they're linked. And, and one actually leads the other. Your heart and your love and your passion, it is going to follow wherever your money goes. That's why today's message is entitled Faith Forward. Because our faith regarding life and its passions and the finances that follow, it moves us forward. It's going to move you forward in one direction or another. So your, your financial management, that's why this is the last message of the faith series. This is actually a very significant issue because it is a faith issue. So I want us to work through this biblically. So who owns what you have? Well, that's very simple. God owns it all. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. God's expectation is that we just simply bring back to him a portion of what he gives to us in recognition that everything already belongs to him. And that portion we call the tithe. 
Now, God doesn't, please don't get me, get, get confused and don't take anything that I'm saying out of context because one of the interesting things that I know, and I've been a pastor for many years, is that, is that some people get very tense and uptight when you talk about finances. And, and, and the truth is, you, if, if that's the case, please, please just, just take a deep breath and relax because Jesus, he talked about money more than anything else, so you wouldn't have liked his sermons either. So, so the, the, but the truth is, is that God's expectation is that we bring this portion back to him that he already put into our hands. But he doesn't, God, God doesn't say you're going to be financially prosperous and all of a sudden your bank account's going to explode. That's not what it says. And God doesn't always give us even what we want materially. I know there are some that will say that happens, and if it happens for you, great. I'm, all, I'm cheering you on, but the, the truth is the Bible doesn't say that. But here's what God does say. It says, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And he says, test me in this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in the fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And you might say, well, I'm not a farmer, so that didn't apply to me, Pastor. Well, well, the, the, I, I doubt anyone in here is a farmer. But but the, the truth is, is that was the economy at that time, and our economy works different, but the principles are the same. Well, so let me just answer a few questions, because some, some will say, well, what does that mean? Well, first word is storehouse. What does the word storehouse mean? Well, the storehouse is the place where we receive spiritual food. That's where you receive spiritual food, and that's actually called the local church. And, and uh, if you're visiting here today and this is not your local church, then this is not the place you tithe to. And, and it, this, this is not. There you have your place where you receive your spiritual food. And why do we do this? Well, it's simple. Is it so that there will be spiritual food. Because if, if we are not doing so, then there's not going to be, the spiritual food is not going to exist. I had a, had a friend of mine several years ago, and he said, I'm going to start this new creative church because money is such a challenging issue. We're not going to ever ask anyone. We're not going to talk about any of the scriptures that have to do with giving or anything like that. We're going to play it really safe and be nice and and talk, not. And we're just going to talk about other God things. And so, okay, so you're going to take parts of the Bible away? Okay, well, that's that's not very smart. And I challenged him on. He said, well, I said, what are you going to do? He goes, well, we're going to have other churches support us, and then we're going to just do this thing. And I said, so the other churches, the other people who are giving tithes and offerings in other churches, you're going to go to those pastors and ask for their money to support you. So you 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 can do what do what? Well, we're going to build God's kingdom, and and man, he got some actually got some support, and and he got up and running, and after a few months, the support ran out, and the whole thing went, fizzled out, and the church folded, and and he ended up saying, you know, the, I don't even know about any of this God stuff, and I, I went back to him and I said. And it's really, you just stick to what the Bible says because now there's no spiritual food for those people you pulled around you because there was no storehouse and you didn't keep the storehouse alive. And the Bible even says in that passage I just read to you that we're to test God. Test God? You might say, oh, we're not supposed to do that. Oh, yes, you are. In fact, God even says, test me in this. That's the only place in the Bible you're going to see that. Test me in this. yes. Should you put God to the test? Absolutely. Absolutely you should. Well, do I trust that God is who he says he is? That Put him to the test and watch what happens. And what does God say he will do? God says, I will 
open heaven's floodgates. Now, I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. That does not mean dollar bills are going to come falling out of the sky into your house. Now, that if that happens, wonderful. Again, I'll celebrate with you and we'll applaud God, but I've never seen it happen before. I, I do, but the heaven's floodgates, here's a beautiful concept of this. Heaven's floodgates is not money. It's not dollar bills. Heaven's floodgates is everything that's good, everything that's God, everything that's, that's God's kingdom. He just begins to pour that out and lets more and more and more of that on you. Ask Jack if you don't believe me. Ask a homeless man. See, what will God do? God will pour out blessing, which then in turn allows you to even be more generous. That's where the generosity begins to increase. And God, what will he do? He does this. He provides supernatural protection over your resources' sources. So wherever your resources come from, God says, I'm going to provide supernatural protection. And that's supernatural protection over your, your business or your bank account. It's supernatural protection over things that, that, that would normally even, even potentially cost more money, that, that God will give you protection there. That's where he says that he's going to prevent pests from devouring the crops. That's supernatural protection. Now, God, again, doesn't promise in Malachi 3, 10 through 11 that your blessings will be financial. And God doesn't promise that you're going to be the next owner of Sundance Square. In fact, I know some of you want that. But, but the tr- and if it's so, I'm happy. But God, he is true to the promises in, your wor- in his word. And I'm asking you to do this. Will you test God? Test God. Watch. He will be true to his word. Are you stuck financially? Well, God actually has a bailout plan, and it's called tithe. That word tithe means tenth. In fact, in Genesis chapter 4, it's the first time in Scripture that we see we're even introduced to the concept of an offering, and it's the first time that, that we're introduced to the, the, the question of why the tithe is even important. Now, please understand this. If, if, you're, if you've studied the Bible before and you know what the Old Testament law is, please understand this. Tithing is not a part of the Old Testament law. It, it's not even found in the Ten Commandments. It's, it's, it existed before the other 603 Old Testament laws existed. But it, so it existed before the law was given, and it exists afterwards because Jesus also speaks about it in the New Testament. But in this story, Abel, this is the very beginning. You know the story, Adam, Eve, and they have a couple kids, Cain and Abel. Well, Abel gave some of his first fruits, important words, first fruits. Cain, what he did is he brought some leftovers. Now, even if both gave, let's say, the perfect 10%, which we don't know, and that's not even in there, and I don't think that's even important, but we do know that one gave from the top and another one gave from the bottom. And Cain and Abel, basically the, the, one, the big tension here was Abel gave the first. It was clear in the Scriptures that he gave the first, and Cain gave those leftovers. And so Abel's offerings represented the very first from his labor. So when we bring a tithe to God, it should not only be 10%, but it should be just to be the first part of your labor, the best of your labor. And this is the principle of first fruits. And so you see this principle of first fruits played out in a command that we find in Exodus chapter number 23. It says, and this is just one of 31 times in the Bible this command is found. It says, bring the best of your first fruits to the house of God. Okay, then what does the first fruits represent? Because if it's spoken over 31 times in the Bible, then it must represent something important. Well, here's what I believe. I believe the first fruits represent the the top or the first portion of a resource 
increase that is given to God. God subsequently redeems the rest of that resource increase. So he helps that resource, he protects it, and does what it says in Malachi chapter number 3. So your tithe is one of the best ways to test this. You trust God with all that you have. And when you give God your best, God blesses the rest. I'd rather have God bless 90% than for 100% of what I have to not be blessed. When you tithe with your first fruit, you're bringing your best to God because God deserves your best, and it belongs to God, and it's because this represents the entirety of what belongs to God. It represents your sweat and your toil and your work, and, and it's a part of you that you're actually giving right back to God. However, that's not all. The first of the money is brought where? It's brought to the house of God. The house of God is this. It's, it's really today's representation of the house of God is, again, it is the local church. So the expectation we find in the Bible is that as followers of God, we first bring this resource to the local church, and we don't just put it wherever we want. Now, I don't know if you've heard the story of a couple who was having an argument over finances, but, but in frustration, the, the husband says, well, if it weren't for my money, this house wouldn't be here. And the wife said back to him, says, well, honey, if it weren't for your money, I wouldn't be here. And it's the truth. That is actually the way it works. Because if it weren't for the money of God's people and you're bringing it to the house of God, None of us would be here today. This would not exist. I'm also here to say Compassionate Fort Worth would not exist because I know, I know that's the case. I'm also saying there are other things that are happening around here that have, that have happened because of you guys that wouldn't exist if this weren't the case. I remember, I remember that day when, when, uh, when I got a call and, and I, I saw it was a good friend of mine, a minister friend of mine. I, actually, I stopped my car and pulled it over and said, yeah, yeah, what, what's going on? He said, Tim, Tim, there's a building in downtown Fort Worth and it's a building with a lot of bills and, and really there's like no people there, but, but if, if you want to do a church there, you can do it. Oh, gee, that sounds like fun. And so, so we, we, we prayed about it, and God, God blessed that, that idea. And, and others came around and said, yes, we'll help. We'll support it. We'll support it. And, and so jumped into this thing, still not having near the full support we needed to, to make this happen. And got through our, our, camera, our first Sunday. It was, uh, the, the offerings was like $85. And, and the, the monthly, just, just to keep the building open for a month, is about $6,500. It's like, well, that's not going to go too far. And, and, then, and then just watching how God continued to meet need after need after need and to see things move forward. And, and I thank God for those who have supported us in the past and those who are continuing to support us from the outside and watch us come into health and, and be self-sufficient. And that's exciting because others believe in what we're doing here. And I think God believes in what we're doing here because the trend continues to go forward. So the truth is, if it wasn't for the money of God's people being brought to this place today, this would not exist, and this building would have already been sold. So I'm grateful to God for that. 
I, I, I look forward to a day because it's going to come. And it's, I think it's going to be sooner rather than later that we are going to begin doing the same for other churches. We will help other churches do this exact thing. In fact, I was contacted by a church planting network that, that has a training. Uh, they, they have a training regimen they're going through. And they contacted me and said, we want to know what you're doing in downtown Fort Worth because people can't get downtown churches going. Will you come and will you give a TED Talk? And I, it's like a TED Talk. But they said, yes, we want you to give a TED Talk. We want you to talk and then open up for some dialogue, and then we're going to put it on the internet as well for on video because we want we want other people who are starting churches, especially in downtown areas, to learn how to do it. I said, and I told him, I said, I don't know how to do it. I just know some some basic things, and and we just we just stick to the basics. I'm really, really, that's it. So, well, nobody's sticking to the basics, obviously. So, will you sh- talk to us about what the basics are? So I said, sure. And so next month, sometime, we'll be doing that. But that's just an opportunity for us to sow, but in the future, I think we're even going to be able to sow financially to help other new creative churches. See, another thing is, is your spiritual needs are met here. There's community here. There's relationship that's ignited here. And people find meaningful ways to reach out into their community because of what's happening here. And this is the place where you are receiving your spiritual food. So the church is a storehouse for this. About once a year, I, I, I share a little bit of information. So, so today's one of those insider days. So again, if you're visiting here with us today, we certainly don't talk about this all the time, but this is one of those insider days. I just want to share with you some quick stats. I, I remember our first solid month that we were doing this, and, and this is before we'd even had our official launch, but our, our first first solid month of, of doing ministry here, our total giving was about $2,300 for the solid month. Man, we were happy for that. We were, we were really, really happy just to be able to have that little bit that was there. Uh, but but it was that was a miracle, and we just continued to see God bless it and bless it. Uh, but I just want to hear, give you, give you a quick report. Our total income for the first three quarters of this year, which have now been, been all set up and everything, our total income and expenses, they're actually the same, they're only a few dollars different. So basically what comes in goes right back out, but it's right at $200,000 for this year. And I'm grateful to God for that because it's a whole lot further than where we were when we first started. Also, another thing of interest is about 25% of that income is coming from outside sources. It's it's come from outside support and other creative yet legal means of funding God's work. So that's just part of the the business concept that we have here of finding creative ways to to finance God's work here. Uh, And of that full uh, of the the full two hundred thousand that has already been spent up to the end of the first quarter, end of the third quarter, I have a breakdown of our six big categories. Actually, it's our seven big categories, and I don't have it on the screens for you. And I'm sorry about that. But nineteen percent went to facilities, and that's actually supposed to be a little bit higher. But uh, but nineteen percent went to for, to facilities. Forty percent went for staff support. Eleven percent was went to insurance and taxes and fees. Yeehaw! Another ten uh, percent went to missions and outreach and our next generation ministry. Only 3% went to discipleship and training and growth, which I really want to see spiked quite a bit. Uh, 7% went to our worship gatherings, and 10% went to our office and business expenses. Now, I'll just be candid with you. We are behind in our budget this year. We had a tight summer. In fact, we're according to our budget, we're really at about $50,000 behind our budgeted income, and we do have pressing needs. But listen carefully to me. 
the giving continues to increase. The ship's not sinking. The sky is not falling. I'm still working other jobs, okay? So it, that's, 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 my family doesn't think that's okay, but I'm still working other jobs. Sometimes, I, I, it was funny because I was, I was doing various things yesterday and, and running around, and by the end of the day, I looked at my phone. I had 97 text message, messages on my phone, and, and I, I thought, I can't answer them. There, there's no way. And if you sent me a text message over the past couple of days, yeah, I probably have not seen it because I just, I can't, I can't, I can't do all this. But, but I'm just telling you, the, the sky is not falling. The ship is not sinking. And this month, October 2014, has proven to be our strongest month in giving in the history of the church already. I want to thank you guys for your faith because I, I, this dude right here, I am very optimistic about our future. And today, I just want to give you a challenge. I want to give you what I'm calling a tithe challenge. And here's the challenge. I'm going to ask you to test God. See what the Bible says. Test God for the remainder of 2014. Maybe you're visiting here from out of town. I know we have a couple of guests from out of town. You have a home church. Then test God through your home church. It's not about me getting your money so I can you know, get some new clothes or whatever. I might need new clothes, but I think I'm fine right now. That's not what, that's, that's not what this is about. You understand? This is about simply making a commitment through the rest of the year. We have 10 weeks left in the year. After next week, it will be 10 weeks left in the year. So just take, give 10% of your income for the next 10 weeks and test God. Just test God for 10 weeks. Test God. Do what the Bible says. Test him. And what I am asking that you do is just say, Pastor, yeah, I'm willing to test God on this for 10 weeks. And if you're willing to do that, and some of you are already doing that, wonderful. I'll keep the test going and, and, and then testify about how the test works. Some of you are doing this regularly. So talk in your small groups and tell others, like, here's what I do, and I know that I've tested God, and this is true. But if you choose to do so and you choose to say, I want to take, I want to move forward with this commandment, and we have a book for you. And this book is called The Blessed Life. I purchased a bunch of these books this week, and we have them on a back table back there. And when we leave today, when we leave today, if you make this commitment, whether you whether you already are a tither or whether you're new to it, but you want to, you're, you're, you're going to say, Pastor Tim, for the next 10 weeks, I'm going to give 10%. I want to give you this book. It's not a gimmick. Please understand, it's not a gimmick. It's not, it's just, I just want to give you a book. Uh, this is a simple way to say thank you. Because in this book, I, I've read this book, and I've read it a couple times. It's called The Blessed Life, and it's a new book. It's been out for a couple of years, but it's a very, very good book written by a local pastor right here in this area. And this is truth, and I, the reason I love this book so much is because it explains how to live this blessed life in, in the, the, the easiest to understand way that I've ever seen it before. So I want to give this to you, and I want you to take it. I want you to, to receive it and, and ingest it and, and, and just make it a part of you. But today, the way we're, we're wrapping up is we're going to give you something. In just a moment, not yet, but in just a moment, the ushers are going to pass some baskets this your way. Today, you get to take stuff out of the baskets. Kind of cool, right? So take stuff out of the baskets. And and uh, I, one time, I had a friend, a little friend with me in church. I was a pastor's kid, but this this friend, he was he was saying he he asked me after church, how much did you get? And I was like, what do you mean, how much did I get? He goes, yeah, the, the money that came through. He goes, I got I got five dollars. <laughs> like, nope, I was gonna like slap him upside the face, you know, because I I know that's not what you don't take God's money, but but. In in this case, go ahead and take what's come, what will come to you here in just a moment. I'll show you what it is. There are two pieces uh, clipped together. One explains the three ways to give, which we always talk about, but it just puts it in print right in front of you. The second one is a faith-forward 
2014 tithing challenge. And I just ask you to take one per family unit. And here's what it says. You'll see it in a second. It says, I accept the challenge to tithe, which gives 10% of my income to my local church for the remaining 10 weeks of 2014. I understand that God says, test me in this. So by faith, I'm putting God to the test. And then when you're done, I just want we're, we're going to we're going to have a time of offering here at the close. Just drop this in in the offering in the baskets a little bit later. And on your way out, grab one of the books that's at, that's at the back. I want you to have one. Don't be shy about getting the book. Please get it. Please get the book. I don't want to. I, I, I'm really, really intense about resources, and I don't want to invest in resources that aren't going to be used. So if I find out that you, you didn't take a book, I'm going, like, you, got to, you have to take it. You have to take it because I, I really want the resources that have been spent to be used, to be used well for you as you make this commitment. So. Here's what we're going to do. Very different ending of today. Very completely different from what we normally do. But the ushers are distributing these baskets. Now, the baskets are coming your way. We're not ready to dismiss yet. It's going to be a few more minutes. So the ushers are, are distributing those. During their distribution of this, there's this quick little video which, which just kind of encapsulates everything that I just explained. Watch this video while you take one per family out of there. So what's the deal with this whole tithing thing? Am I simply adding to the youth pastor's skinny jean collection? If God gives to me, why would I give it back? Well, first, God doesn't want our money. He wants us. When we give with a joyful heart, it shows God that we recognize that everything we have is His. We're simply borrowing on a condition that we put it to good use. Not a bad deal. Second, it requires that we remain dependent on God's grace to supply our every need. Even the birds don't worry about what they're going to eat, and how much more does God care for us than a bird? Third, we get to support God's work throughout the world. This church you're sitting in right now uses your tithes to support missionaries, feed the poor, and reach out to the community for Christ. It's a tiny price for such a huge impact. So you might be thinking, why can't I just let the rich be generous? My tithe isn't worth much at all. Well, actually, if everyone in this room, everyone sitting in American churches right now, honestly gave only 10% of their income back to God, we could add $85.5 billion to ministry around the world per year. That's enough to feed every child in Africa for life. Plus, God promises that He'll provide you with what you need and warns that we cannot serve two masters. We have to choose. Tithing is not about a dollar amount or spiritual trophies. It's about an attitude of humility, obedience, and generosity. God doesn't want our 10%. He wants us 100%. So go ahead. Pick your master. Okay, when you receive this, you receive the little, the little two sheets clipped together. One is the more stiff card. That's your 2014 tithing challenge. I just read it to you a second ago. So take a look at that. Get your pins out. Get your pins out, and 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 you know. But please don't do the fake writing thing where you're actually going to pretend like you're writing and then just kind of like drop one in. And, and th th those are, those are like those are like shooting blanks. Okay, just just don't do that. Don't please please don't don't shoot blanks. Uh, it's, that's 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 kind of weird. But but go ahead and and take this and, and begin to fill it out. And it's real simple. It's just name and email address, and that way it allows me just to be back in touch with you and to encourage you and even help put other resources into your hands of, of encouragement. Now, while you're doing that, I just want to explain to you again afterwards, in just a minute, when the offering baskets come back through, you drop it in. Just drop it in. It's that simple. I want to thank you guys because you guys 
are giving regularly. In fact, now as a church, the the uh, your gifts come in every single day. In fact, there's rarely one day that gifts do not come in. So I want to thank you for your faithfulness. I honestly want to thank you for your generosity because it's because of your faithfulness and generosity that City Life Center is moving forward and we're able to do what we're called to do, which is influence the culture by influencing the influencers, because that's where we're, we are. We're right in the middle of where the influencers are in this city, and so that allows us to do so. Uh, there are three ways to give. In fact, this little other little card here, there are three ways to give. Keep that. This is for you to remember all the time, but one is through your mobile device or computer, and the way to do that is you text City Life, and there's a little number on there, and that takes you over to the push pay system that we use. There's also the giving station at the back where you can go back there and give it any point in time, and there's also cash and check, and and you can even set it up to to give recurring if you when you use the push pay system, and that's a that's something that's very 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 helpful. And I encourage you guys to to take advantage of that, the recurring giving, especially if you know you're going to get paid at a certain time, and it's just it's just easy to have that done. And I also just want to thank several of you for already having that set up. That's very 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 helpful because it allows for there to be the sustained uh, income and and it's it's there and, and it's wonderful to know that you're not that you're just continuing to allow God to work through you it's not like you're going over to Walgreens and you're getting stuff and walking out the door without paying for it you're just you're, you're saying I recognize there's value to this and I, I receive it and so I give back as well because it's not just about you it's about the many others that are able to do ministry uh, that 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 ministry that happens as it flows through here